I'm Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to Hard Knock Life. Welcome to Hard Knock Life. I'm Keith Chow. I'm Brittany Monet. I'm Dominic Ma. And we are stoked that Darth Vader is here already. <laughs> Were you expecting... Oh, by the way, spoilers for Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I've lost half of our listeners already. Yeah, come on. It's, you knew Darth Vader was going to show up eventually. <laughs> is that a huge spoiler? Well, did we know it would be this my early God. is my question. So he would catch you by surprise. Darth Vader wanted it that way. <laughs> I didn't think they would meet this early, but I thought we would definitely get like Vader at least interacting with the Inquisitors. So that part wasn't new to me, but him actually showing up and having somewhat of a, you know, as we know as the episode progresses, mini saber fight with him. I didn't see that coming. That was definitely, I was like, oh, okay. We're doing this now. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you characterize it as a mini saber fight, implying that we weren't, you know, there's some mega saber fight that we may be hoping for in the future. I, I mean, I feel like this was like, you know, I don't know, equivalent to a mid-season, like they kind of see each other, but it's not the full actual like big fight, you know? Here's a, here's a proposal that I think could happen that'll that'll make all of the toxic fanboys happy. Mm-hmm. What if this is the Vader Obi Wan fight, and that the true finale is Reva Obi Wan, mm. and that's how the show actually ends? That it leads up to like the big confrontation between Reva and Obi Wan. That'd be cool. That would it be cool, be. but I think that would also piss off all of the fanboys who are already pissed off that Reva exists. They're already review bombing because they called out like people being racist and yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that for a second because we didn't really touch on the just absolutely i think part of lee is when we recorded it wasn't as apparent like we knew that there was always going to be like asshole star wars fans who were just going to hate people of color for existing but mm-hmm. you know after our show went out you know moses posted on instagram about like the vile messages she's been receiving and mm-hmm. even ewan came out in support the star wars like official account Mm-hmm. came out and support Anson Mount fucking Star Trek came out and support <laughs> you know like talk about unifying the uh, fan bases like Star Trek came out for Star Wars so did William Shatner actually oh wow yeah so like you know this this is not new especially in Star Wars fandom especially like in the post Disney post sequel trilogy Star Wars fandom the, the the ugly ugliness definitely came out with like Force Awakens it came out with Last Jedi and it, it's reared its head again what what do we think about that? Like, what is it? Is it it's a unique to Star Wars fandom? It just feels like there's always assholes in fandom, but it just feels like the Star Wars fandom comes out, like members of the Star Wars fandom just come out in droves more. I feel like it has such a bigger reach, and I think for some reason to Star Wars fans, they feel that it was always just more of a white thing when it erases the fact that there have been fans of color from like the beginning of Star Wars being released. And I feel like maybe because they were at all, again, nerds for the longest time was only depicted as being white people, especially white men, that I think that there's still this very weird, like, trying to realize that, you know, fans of color have, nerds of color have been there for a long time. I don't know. I think because when you have, like, one of the only main characters in the original trilogy kind of being a traitor, I think kind of has also maybe unfortunately, like feeds to certain stereotypes in a way which one are you talking about like lando well uh, he was a traitor and then he redeems himself in the next yeah but i just feel like you know in a way that kind of fuels some type of like stereotypes and then when you have newer characters of color who aren't like playing basically servants to senators and stuff that it's kind of like i don't know weird for them and feels like it's not true and that you know what but it's like what they said is true is that Star Wars is a vast galaxy full of different people and different alien races and to be racist as a Star Wars fan is kind of weird. Yeah, like the Imperials were always like British white guys. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that was the that was a way of showing that like there is no diversity in the Empire. <laughs> like the Empire wipes out like any kind of like alien races because they just want British white guys as the face of the Empire, right? And that's 
like they are the fascists. <laughs> the mm-hmm. rebels are the anti-fascists. Like that's always that's been baked into Star Wars from 1977. Yeah. Well, I try not to take it too strongly. I mean, you know, racism in the fan base is a big deal, but I mean, if you're, you know, if your course of action is review bomb on Rotten Tomatoes, like I definitely don't give a shit. Like fucking <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, come on. Okay, is that your, <laughs> is that your big move? Oh no, bad review on Rotten Tomatoes. Whatever. But yeah, the possessiveness over it is. A little disturbing, and you know that that sister character, the Reva character, does break a mold. You know, it's, it's not standard that the red saber willing baddie is is the black lady. But I mean, that's <laughs> that's cool. The, the the weird the weird thing, like any the, the a bad reaction to like any deviation from type is just like that's that's the weird excessive behavior going on and this is an echo of the force awakens when the very first trailer you know the first thing we see is john boyega in his stormtrooper outfit because that remember we didn't know anything about the movie until the trailer and the initial reaction from from that section of the fan base was that hashtag black stormtrooper and boycott star wars because it doesn't make any sense that a stormtrooper would be black as if like again if if blackness if it's weird for you that blackness exists in the galaxy far far away why is whiteness just normal unless it goes back to the the old adage of like white is default and everything else is not you know and that's yeah. where these people are coming from is that like it's not it's not like han solo's not white luke skywalker's not white they're just regular the weird thing is seeing black skin or asian people like there's no asia in space like the fuck there's no europe in space either motherfucker <laughs> yeah yeah and in a sense darth vader is not white either i mean in this yeah in the classic soul. scene from uh, chasing amy right <laughs> yeah speaking of darth vader being a black character were you surprised james earl jones kind of sort of came back as the voice of darth vader I wasn't surprised because he did Rebels and Rogue One. Yeah, and they kept asking Hayden, like, are you doing the voice or is it James? And he's like, I don't know. You'll have to see. So I was like, oh. <laughs> Who else but, is going to do it? Come yeah, but someone did say that it might be the AI thing that they yeah. use for Mark Hamill's younger voice. And it's a mix of actually Hayden and that AI of, like, James Earl Jones. Yeah. But I don't know. But it sounds more like James than Hayden, so. Because I know that the first time i watched the episode and and vader spoke and it was james earl jones's voice I, I did think to myself like wow he sounds a lot better than he did in rebels and rogue one because james earl jones did come back to actually in the in the booth to mm-hmm. voice those roles you know i i said this before you know my uh ageism i was like he sounded a little old in rogue one he didn't sound like the you know youthful darth vader but vader in in this episode definitely sounded like 1977 james earl jones and I think you're right, like, some folks on Twitter pointed out that there's a credit to the, the technology, the same credit that was in The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. or not The Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, same thing, uh, <laughs> that that was credited for Luke Skywalker's AI voice. So I think you're right, it is a mix. I think there's even a, someone pointed out that the scene where Vader says, I am what you made me, mm-hmm. you actually hear hate, hate, that's actually Hayden saying it. Mm-hmm. through a through like a darth vader filter so mm. yeah that's it's interesting that the technology exists to make anyone sound like darth vader then you can you know you can have that character live in perpetuity now it's, you know as long as james yeah. l jones's estate gets paid for it i think that's cool yeah i mean li- <laughs> that's going down a weird path it's true that is the path he was we're going credited, on though, by the everyone way. Yeah, right. yeah right everyone will everyone will be regenerated by computers but it's like <laughs> james earl jones adds a lot of class in any sense yeah i mean he, he makes the character let's not get away from that yeah so we, we just jumped into like we just jumped into it you know we didn't even like warm up no how are you how are you doing we just went straight into obi-wan it was a good episode episode three like three three halfway through the show you know we we've we've gotten pretty much like everything you could have imagined in a obi-wan show right like the confrontation with darth the you know the whole plot with leia seeing indira varma you know be a good guy disguised or she wasn't even disguised as an imperial she was an imperial but she was a rebel sympathizer Mm -hmm. you know like let's just like 
back up and and think about the the episode in total like what did we think aside from the darth vader stuff because everyone loves that but like the interaction with leia and obi-wan the zach braff alien character that was driving the pickup truck <laughs> oh i thought that was seth rogan no that was that he sounded like seth rogan but zach braff was the mole man the stormtrooper like aside from the vader stuff i really liked the stormtroopers in the back of the pickup because even too. in rogue one there's something about like what I loved about Rogue One and what I love about this show so far is just kind of seeing what it's like to live during the Empire and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like the day-to-day stuff. Like, there's a scene in Rogue One where, like, a stormtrooper is just, like, sitting on a bench with his, like, arms on his hips, just kind of, like, tired. And it's like, you never think of, like, stormtroopers as these, like, regular kind of people. And even mm-hmm. the way that they're interacting in the back of the truck, like, the tension, the way Deborah Child directed it. Ewan's performance when he's like reminiscing about Padme again. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, we just let's just talk about that. Like, what 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 do you think of the that whole scene on the mining planet? I loved it. I know there's a lot of people now who have always been Obi Dalla shippers are now like <laughs> feeling vindicated because of the whole the when she asks, "Are you my real father?" and he says, "No, I wish I was." Yeah, and I kind of, I kind of felt mm-hmm. like a million shippers, <laughs> you know, just yeah. uh, crying <laughs> through the four, crying out. <laughs> no, but I loved that whole scene because I, I don't know, it was, I, it was just Ewan. We always know has been a great actor, but it was just done so well when he's like doing that. I get confused sometimes. And <laughs> he played that off so well. Like I don't know, it was just it was good, and I, I love Vivian. Is that her name? Who plays Leia? Mm-hmm. She's so good. She's so adorable, too. <laughs> I did think, like, that's quite an observant stormtrooper, because like, hey, you said your name was Luma. <laughs> like, I like, I don't know what your name is, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I like that part, because the way they get on the truck is, like, you know, first Obi-Wan is like, keep silence, keep stealthy. And then she, like, registers the truck, which it just tugs away. Because that, that's, like, a bad idea that she runs to the truck, but it's exactly the kind of bad idea a kid would have. Right, mm-hmm. it's very cute, impulsive things to do. Like, ah, we're caught in the desert. Oh, there's a truck. That person will help us because I'm mm-hmm. cute and young and I don't know any better. We're just gonna hail this random truck. So that was, you know, that that was perfect to me. I mean, I think the whole plot is a little oddly constructed. I'd say right now they're like basically train hopping between planets. It seems like really didn't have much of a plan to get home after rescuing Leia and all that stuff and creates this weird thing of just being on this random planet, walking around basically looking for a clue. But that's okay, I get it because it sets up this sort of like, you know, alone in the wilderness, you know, bonding time, which I think is necessary for this uh, relationship to grow. Kumail Nanjiani turns out he was being truthful about like he's helping Maybe he really is helping force sensitive children. He's just kind of getting a cut on the top, right? Like the, yeah. the, the family he saved before he met, met Obi-Wan the previous episode. I was wondering, like, is he really like saving force sensitive children? Or is he just like conning these people, telling them they're force sensitive to get, you know, but that's just a weird, like, yeah, now that I say it out loud, it's kind of weird. Like what parent would be like, my kid is potentially a Jedi. Get us out of here. You know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, but it turns out like it, it, he really is part of this like underground railroad of Jedi network because the Indira Varma character is who he was talking about because she was the one who was going to meet him. Preeti Chibber said on Twitter the other day like, you know, a new hope would not have happened if not for all of these South Asian people in Star Wars. So that take that racist motherfuckers. Right. <laughs> Kumail right. Nanjiani, Indira Varma, and Riz Ahmed are the reasons. Right. That that a new hope even happens. They're the pipeline. And do we think it was interesting that you said, I, you know, I joined up for the Empire back when it stood for something. It's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> sort of a deep comment. <laughs> when well, there's a lot of that? books that at least like if you read the Lost Stars book, it kind of sets up where the Empire played off as being great and that they were, you know, this wonderful thing that was going to set the galaxy right. And a lot of people fell for it. And the main character in that book, she joined because she felt that it was like a sense of duty to like her galaxy and to do this. And mm-hmm. she's, but she's actually a good person and like a loving person. And that's not what we know what the Empire actually is. It's not something that she would stand for. But then a lot of people seem to be stuck because it's like, well, I promised myself that I would do this and this is my duty. And it, it kind of ends up biting her in the butt if you read the book i mean if you think about it even in a new hope right like luke 
in Biggs, when they talk about going to the academy, there's not a rebel academy. You know yes, what I'm saying? It, it, <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess they are. <laughs> They're yeah, signing it, up to join the military. So, I mean, yes. any anyone who's in the Air Force yeah. or the, you know, I know we're, we're a few days out from Memorial Day, but like, you know, if you're signing up for the Marines, you're signing up for the Army, and then you're marching into Iraq, it's kind of like, oh, this is not what I signed up for, you know, or you're marching into Vietnam to make it more of the George Lucas era, what he's commenting on. Like, you know, we were the Empire. We still are the Empire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And even, you know, Solo is joining up with the, the Empire at the beginning right. of his movie that we rarely talk about. But he does do that at the, at the beginning because <laughs> that's that's because that's the way out of town. That's the ticket. Yeah. So I get that. For us non-extended universe folks, were you excited, Brittany, when there was mention of Quinlan Voss in this episode? Yes. I still have the book. I haven't read it, but I have the book where it's based on unproduced episodes of Clone Wars with him and uh, Ventress. They go off on their, you know, adventures. We kind of know where they left off kind of on the show. Um, so I was excited that he was mentioned because maybe we'll see him. Who is that? Explain know. to Dominic who Quinlan Voss is. So he's like the hippie. If you watch the Clone Wars, he's like the hippie Jedi that kind of oh. annoys Obi-Wan a little bit. Okay. But, you know, I think because of how things turned out, obviously Obi-Wan was like, oh, Quinlan. Like he was happy that someone he kind of knew from the Order is like out and alive so yeah quinlan boss is really cool hippie oh. jedi guy basically cool hippie <laughs> that's the best way to i don't know it's the best way to describe him as right just kind of yeah so how would you, how many jedi do you estimate are out there because like for the longest time we everyone just assumed yoda and obi-wan are the only jedi who survived order 66 and then well and the more you know in canon stuff comes out we know that like kanan jarrah survived yes. cal kestis survived now quinlan boss has survived ahsoka tano survived yeah well, uh, she was no longer a Jedi, actually, if you right, remember. She was just Force-sensitive at this you point. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know what you mean. But then it would be, to an extent, Luminara survived Order 66 because she was eventually captured, and she was the one who was used to, like, her hologram of her was used to um, get Ezra, Ezra to go there to try and rescue her. So she survived to an extent as well. I don't know who else I mean, let me put it, does it make it... Well, and there's also that Safty brother Jedi from the first episode. Yes. Does it make Obi-Wan and Yoda look worse off, though, that, like, all these folks survived and they're, like, helping other Jedi get across the galaxy? And Obi-Wan's like, I'm just going to cut whale sashimi. And Yoda's like, I'm just going to be on this swamp over here, like, <laughs> eating shit out of a droid. Like, what, like, does it, does it kind of diminish them to know that, like, they're not helping this uh, network of Jedi survive? I think so, but at the same time, it just shows how much the stuff with Anakin shattered them because they yeah. knew Anakin and they were supposed to keep him from, in a way, going to the dark side and they kind of, in a way, stirred him there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that makes them feel like failures, you know? Yeah. Especially someone like Yoda who's been doing this for 800 years and has probably never really had someone go down that path such in a, such a big way that I think it's very like makes you want to kind of maybe not interact with people and mm -hmm. feel like you're not worthy of that so and that that would be the second one too because wasn't Dooku his Padawan too yeah like Yoda sucks <laughs> <laughs> like the I told you in the High down. Republic books he's always on a sabbatical <laughs> right like that professor that you can't reach at your college for <laughs> to advise you. But yeah, I mean, on that point, I mean, I agree with that. And I think it's the it's sort of the core emotional thing of this series, which is called Obi-Wan Kenobi and is about Obi-Wan Kenobi. But so far, it's a lot about him feeling bad about shit, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and I think that's something, I mean, I think that's what they're going for. And we can debate over whether it works or not, but that feeling of being totally shattered. And, you know, as mm -hmm. a middle-aged Star Wars fan who's looking back on all these things like you know the, the the part that resonates for me most for the first episode is when he's just like i'm i'm not what i once was and mm -hmm. you know because you know if we can say anything about the those prequels i mean i do remember them as you know ewan mcgregor had the swagger right he was like the guy who's like let's go oh yeah dark mall yeah let's fight some more oh i'm gonna go fight Django. dad <laughs> dad fat Dad fit, dad fit now. Like he, he was like the swashbuckling type. So to see him 
in this state, I think is what they're, they're really trying to examine that for better force. And even in this thing of like, so he meets up with Vader and, you know, like maybe some of us in a fan sense thinks, oh, there's going to be a big fight. But like, this is just, this is his friend who he's already mutilated once and he thought he killed him and doesn't want to kill him again. I mean, like, you know, it, 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 it <laughs> so he just runs away. And, you know, it's like a cliche in action movies where like the righteous hero says like, you know, no, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. But they always end up fighting. There was something poignant about how he, this case, he didn't want to fight. He really didn't want to fight. And he literally just started to run away. I think about that part. Sorry, that was a bit No, I love, I mean, I actually love that because, you know, like there's the, there's a really, you know, iconic scene when Vader confronts him and he ignites the lightsaber slowly, kind of mirroring what he does in the, in the first movie in A New Hope, you know, where Obi-Wan comes around the corner and, and Vader's there with his lightsaber. But to your point, Obi-Wan runs away and, you know, there's a scene where he holds the hilt and you think, oh shit, this is where it comes and he runs away. And then only later, like, instinctively does he ignite his lightsaber in a defensive posture to go back to what you're saying. Like, he, he's never, like, there's never a killing blow. It's all defense. And what I found was really interesting is that Obi-Wan is using two hands the entire time, struggling because he hasn't used a lightsaber. And Vader's just, like, one-handed. One, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, at his, he's at his prime right now. And that whole sequence was so riveting, but also emotional. Because... One thing that I think that sets this series apart from all the other Star Wars series on Disney Plus so far, including Mandalorian and Boba Fett, is that no shade to Pedro Pascal, who's like, you only see his face twice anyway, and no shade to Tamir Morrison, but Ewan McGregor acts the shit out of this whole series. Like, yes. that, that sense of longing, that sense of defeat, that PTSD he's suffering from once he learns that Anakin's alive. You know, like we were saying earlier about him reminiscing about Padme, like that whole sequence where he's talking to Luma, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Leia. Every choice, every performance that Ewan gives in this whole series is... I know he's not going to get an Emmy for it, but goddamn, that Never, motherfucker is acting. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he really is. And I remember him in an interview saying, like, it was actually scary just to turn around and see Hayden in the suit for the first time and as Darth Vader. So, and you could really like see that like maybe maybe it is a little bit terrifying to see someone in that suit in person but yeah they they did that so well and then the part with the fire i was just like Ugh. i don't know i was very in my feels it was so good <laughs> let me ask you like i know that some folks have been uh there's some consternation around how easy it was for obi-wan to get away but let me ask you Brittany. like do you think <laughs> that vader let him get away because like Ooh. You know, maybe when when Indira's character Tala, I think is her name, when she shoots the thing and the flames come up, you know, Vader's like, ah, oh, but like five seconds ago, bro, you just <laughs> you just doused the flames with the force. I I think because he can he controlled the flames, so that wasn't it was different because he was in control. But mm. when it happened out of his control, it probably scared him because he probably he is hates now fire. Going, yeah, <laughs> he hates fire now, as much as he hates sand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's probably gonna hate fire and sand now, even though he <laughs> and he's in the middle of the desert on fire. fire. He's like, this is the worst thing of all mm. possibilities. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's probably different when he can control it versus when he can't, and so. It did probably scare. Yeah I, yeah, I I could see that, you know, scaring him. Maybe yeah, he did let them get away easier, but you know, maybe now that he knows for sure that Obi Wan, it's kind of also ignited his like, I'm gonna go after him for real and like get yeah, him. like you know. The other thing about the Vader Obi Wan fight that I think was underappreciated is just how well it was directed. I think this might even, I mean, maybe this is technology they use in the sequels. But I love the fact that it feels like they're using actual like lighted lightsabers on set because the light that gives that they give off onto like Ewan's face, you know, the blue light. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in the in the prequels it was all kind of manufactured because like they all of that came in afterwards. But I don't know, just the way that the the fight scene was lit by the lightsabers. You know, and naturally lit, not just in post-production. I just mm -hmm. thought it was beautiful. All I know is that Ewan said the lightsabers, he missed the lightsabers that they used on the prequels, actually. Oh, so, really? 
Yeah, so I don't know what these ones are that they're using now, but the way he made it sound was like mm. they had better lightsabers on yeah. set for the prequels versus yeah. what they have right now. Well, maybe he was making so. a funny because he's nostalgic for those ones. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. And and I won't say that I know, Keith, and I know exactly what you're talking about. But I will, I will say that, yeah, post-lighting effect technology has, has advanced leaps and bounds since the 20 years. So they could be right. doing anything. But, well, but, the, but the important thing is that they're going for a certain effect and they achieved it. And it's a sort of horror movie visceral effect, which they got because, yeah, it's really dark out there in the desert. And it's just your lightsaber is your only friend and the thing showing off your sweat and your fear. Yeah. The other thing that I thought about, you know, we we're talking about Obi-Wan running away and it's, you know, nice to see this, like the emotion and stuff. Because, again, what does Yoda say in the prequels? Like, fear is the path to the dark side, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's weird to see a Jedi of Obi-Wan's caliber succumbing to his own fear and his own guilt right because those are things Mm -hmm. jedi aren't supposed to feel and that's you know one thing i do wish that like the sequels would have explored more which i think they wanted to and especially like with the last jedi is -hmm. the kind of like dogma of the jedi not being correct right and like everyone needs a little bit of dark and light in them to be truly balanced and that's Mm -hmm. what like kylo represents that was what ray could have represented they kind of like threw that all away in rise of skywalker but that's kind of where it felt like it was leading yeah. And that's ultimately what I think they, they did say that the next batch of Star Wars movies are going to be post Force Awakens. So what I'm hoping is that, like, they do kind of reconcile that aspect of the Jedi, that the failure of the Jedi Order was its dogma and its, like, strict adherence to dogma. And that's how mm-hmm. they failed Anakin, ultimately, you know? Mm. I was going to ask, can we circle back before we can talk about, do you think Reva really just wants to be the Grand Inquisitor? Is that her big end game? Or I still feel there's something else going on there. It's a very interesting scene when they're talking at that big, that weird water palace that the Empire have. And that's from the video game, right? Was it? Did you play Fallen Order? I don't play the video Uh, games. Yeah, apparently in Fallen Order is the first time we see the Inquisitorium. That's what it's called. And and it's this castle underwater where the Inquisitors are. I will confess I played that game, was not very good at it, and I didn't get to that part. But by the way, that that but but that does relate to spoiler for the video game, when Darth Vader shows up, you just run away. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but blah blah blah. Back to the right, right. Reva well, Darth Vader think? conversation. Interesting scene. Uh, no, I think she's gonna she has something against the Jedi for sure. Because also they have the Jedi insignia carved into the wall when she's looking through the like who all wrote on the wall yeah. and stuff and she stops at the jedi insignia and then she gets mad and starts like breaking shit basically mm-hmm. so yeah she definitely has it out against the jedi i don't know if she wants to be grand inquisitor but i think her main goal is to get some type of payback for her being abandoned when she was a youngling i think that's what her main thing is I think maybe to the other Inquisitors, I think that's her. Yeah. Her goal is to become Grand Inquisitor, but I don't think that is that's what is they her. want. That's what Sung Kang wants. Sung, Sung wants to be the next Grand yes. Inquisitor. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind, of, that's kind of like the story of the Inquisitors, too, is that like they're always like kind of like out for each other and trying to like one up one another. Because, you know, one way that the that these I, I keep calling it the extended universe. It's not the extended universe because it's all canon. But like I think what the comics and the video games and the animation is trying to like they're, they're essentially explaining the whole rule of two from the prequels because to me it always didn't make any sense like why only one apprentice one master it's like it just seems like you would want more numbers if there's a million jedi wouldn't two sith be kind of like you know and it's because yeah, what was that about well that's because what powers a sith is like ambition and if you ever had more than one apprentice they'd all be trying to kill each other to get to to be the next main bad ah. guy so like the inquisitor like vader Vader kind of oversees the Inquisitors, <laughs> and they purposefully train the Inquisitors to a certain point because they don't want them to be fully versed in the dark side. Because if they were, then they would challenge Vader's place as the apprentice mm-hmm. to Palpatine. And there's this whole like kind of like greed and ambition kind of layer to the Inquisitors. Because what I think is interesting too, and maybe they they mention this in Rebels. I don't remember Brittany. Like, do we know why the Inquisitors all die off before A New Hope? Is it just that like they've killed all the Jedi and they don't need them anymore? Or have they all Maybe. killed each other? Or they all yep. killed each other? Well, I mean, that I bunch of them like... die in Rebels. I know that. Yeah, a bunch of them do die in Rebels. But it could just be, yeah, eventually they just, there's no need for them by the time you get closer to A New Hope. Or they all just are killed. Yeah, because, I mean, you have to also think, like, Obi-Wan 
perhaps is gearing up for this big confrontation with either Reva or Vader or both. But at the same time, it's got to also end in failure because he can't defeat Vader. No. Right? And then they do have to end up being the last two Jedi, right? Like Yoda and and Obi-Wan. Like, I don't think Quinlan's running around in the original trilogy. I don't think all these surviving Jedi are running around other than Ahsoka, apparently. She's still around in Mandalorian time. But, like, we don't know that these other... Cal Kessis is probably not around anymore. Like, all these other surviving Jedis have to go away so that Yoda and Obi-Wan are the last ones. And we're like, Luke is our only hope. No, Leia. Well, you forgot about Leia, Obi-Wan. Remember the girl I, you I don't think rescued? No, no. I, don't, I mean, this is a small point. I don't think that really holds. I think those the Jedi can still be just hiding out somewhere. Because as we know from watching this episode, people don't even know what the Jedi looks like because there isn't like... <laughs> they can hide apparently pretty well. Why wouldn't they reemerge when Luke like defeats the empire right like because they're not even around in the sequels it's just luke is the only jedi he's the last jedi i would feel like maybe they just some of them don't have hope or the will to want to be a jedi anymore that's the only thing i can think of like they lost because because at the beginning of new hope shit is bad you know what i mean like that's Mm -hmm. and and obi-wan has to lead into like you know rebels and rogue one where shit is bad like it gets to a point where like the only hope that the rebellion has is this long shot Leia reaches out to the guy who rescued her 10 years previous, right? Mm-hmm. That was the whole plan. Like, Luke wasn't part of the plan. The plan was get Obi-Wan to help us defeat the Empire. And Obi-Wan just happened to be babysitting Luke at the time. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it sort of bothered me how, like... <laughs> sorry, I've done this purely technical aspect. <laughs> how, like, no one knows what Obi-Wan looks like, even though Reva just put out, like, an all-points bulletin on... <laughs> that was a little weird. ...back that, on that well, planet... But, Stormtroopers are stupid. Stormtroopers are uh... stupid. They're not that good at their job. And as we know from Rogue One, file transfer speed in Star Wars Universe is a really big problem because it takes like an hour to get that one Darth Star PDF like out, you know, to from ship to ship because the distances are really long. So I get it. It's not the same thing. Just like you know, you know, send out to this is the guy we're looking for. I suppose they right. have to send a probe droid. It's like they don't leave, and all other stormtroopers are like, "Oh, we're looking for these two people." No idea. Anyway, <laughs> we're looking for a wandering guy and a little girl. Have you seen them? <laughs> right, but as they said, but these are the same people. Remember in the original trilogy, like, oh, doors locked. Move on to the next. <laughs> like, all you have to right, do is right. lock so the door. So combine those stormtroopers, <laughs> just like not really caring. <laughs> like they don't know how to use their smartphones or whatever they have. Yeah, I had only another stupid technical question. Which is that, do all the Inquisitors get the cool, like, whirly fan lightsaber or just the grand one? No, they all do because they fly. It's like the penguin. They start spinning is and that they right? fly away. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, they can fly with them. And, and Rebels, at least. I don't know that they've, they've, maybe they haven't figured it out in Obi-Wan Kenobi. But in Rebels, it starts spinning and then they, they take off like, like Penguin with his umbrella copter. Ah, damn. Well, we got to see that. Yeah, I'm hoping. Well, let's take a break, and then after the break, let's just think about what we want to see in this next three episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then what lies in the future of the Star Wars universe. Guess what? Goalie Nutrition is sponsoring Hard Knock Life, and you can go to goalie.com to buy apple cider vinegar gummies. They're ashwagandha gummies, super fruit gummies, and super greens gummies, and you get 10% off plus free shipping if you use the code HARDKNOCK at goalie.com. This is honestly, I've been taking the goalie gummies now for for a couple weeks, and I have to say, they're tasty, and they're good for you. Have you guys been enjoying the goalie gummies? I really like them. They're yummy, but it's a nice to add to my, like, routine of already, like, I normally take just straight vitamin C, so it's nice to have, like, extra supplements. For a long time, people have, have praised the benefits of apple cider vinegar, and, you know, as someone who's had to, like, drink straight apple cider vinegar sometimes when I'm not feeling well, or, you know, I have a, some joint pain, and your mom is like, drink some apple cider vinegar. It's mm. not the most appetizing home remedy, let's just say. No, right. It tastes horrible. It's so, like, the apple cider part is like, ooh, does it taste like apple cider? It's like, no, it tastes like vinegar. But ACV is very good for you. And the fact that Goalie has been able to put the ACV into these tasty little gummies made with pectin and fruit peels which make them vegan which is cool so if you're vegan you can still rock these gummies because everyone knows gummies are usually made out of like gelatin and nasty shit this these are made out of complete non-gmo gelatin free gluten-free vegan 
ingredients and you can get the benefits all of the benefits of apple cider vinegar taking these tasty delicious convenient gummies so go to goalie.com and use the code hard knock that's h-a-r-d-n-o-c just like the podcast you're listening to get 10 percent off your purchase of goalie products and free shipping it's a much better delivery device for that apple cider vinegar yeah these goalie gummies are great you get it and it's it's a delicious little candy and i've been enjoying the superfruits one i did feel kind of refreshed after taking a few of those yeah no but i'm loving them so far and they're definitely tasty if you just want tasty gummies at least just (laughs) eat them for the the, like the yummy yeah Yeah. so go to goalie.com use the code hard knock h-a-r-d-n-o-c get 10 percent off your purchase and free shipping at goalie.com with the code hard knock hard knock life is being sponsored by athletic greens i want to talk to you about athletic greens With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Basically all the things. One of the best things about Athletic Greens is that it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It also contains less than one gram of sugar and no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it still tastes good. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, that's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is partnering with Hard Knock Media to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. That's athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So we're halfway through Obi-Wan Kenobi already, which is wild. I feel like the show just started and there's only three episodes left. Do you think this is going to be one and done, or do you feel like it's going to be such a big hit, you and and folks will find a way to come back? Didn't, didn't they just announce through Variety that they're working on an Obi-Wan Kenobi 2? They just don't know exactly the full details yet? I did read somewhere you and kind of hinted at more Obi-Wan perhaps coming in the future. But, like, where could the story go? Like, you're kind of treading on, you know, weird ground. I mean, put it this way. I know I've been making a lot of like points about continuity, but at the same time, I I think I heard Mark Bernardin say this on a podcast, and, and he was quoting Len Wein, the the Wolver, old Wolverine writer, that continuity is your friend until it isn't, and that mm-hmm. that you shouldn't be a slave to continuity. I mean, now I'm paraphrasing, but you should, essentially you shouldn't be a slave to continuity if the story will benefit by breaking continuity. You know, at the end of the day, I think yeah, yeah. Uh, too often, especially like genre fans like us and. You know, Star Wars fans, Star Trek fans, Marvel fans. Like, we get so bogged down and, like, well, this has to fit here and this... That we kind of, like, forget about, like, narrative and storytelling. That we just worry about, like, plot points and... Mm-hmm. Like, it's as if it's all one big Wikipedia entry and not, like, a story. Because yeah. George Lucas didn't give a shit about continuity in the original trilogy. Right. <laughs> he was making that shit up as he went along, you know? But at the same time, let's not, like, fetishize our need to have, like, oh, will it be season two? And I mean, when we don't even know what the story of this season is. I mean, that's another weird, that's another fan tick I'll point out. Like, will it be season <laughs> yeah. two or three? I don't know, dude. What if they all die? <laughs> uh, fucking, let's watch this season. But that's just me. What if season two is just live action flashbacks to the Clone Wars? That's what that's what I would that, like. I would be fine with that. Um, I'm kind <laughs> of hoping that we will get at least some live action flashbacks. I don't know. So I don't know if the moment where he sees Anakin for a second standing on like towards that cliff is like the only time that he was in normal clothes. But I know, I know you and said that there was something that they were filming that you know he looked over at Hayden and felt like oh yeah, that's true. That might have been that might have been the scene you've been referencing for the last six months, (laughs) like when he's standing in his robe. Yeah, because yeah, it is it is kind of like. Let me ask you, Brittany, as a Mm -hmm. as a Hayden stan, as the resident Hayden stan on the podcast. You know, they, they'd been hyping up for ever since they announced the show, like the return of Hayden, return of Hayden. And then you don't, other than the like three seconds you see the vision, it's like Darth Vader and James Earl Jones. Like there isn't any like actual Hayden 
even if he's under the suit, it's more of a Pedro mm-hmm. Pascal thing, right? Where you never see him. And you and unlike Pedro, you don't actually hear him either. Either his voice is being filtered through a James Earl Jones filter or it's he's not even doing any dialogue. So as the Hayden stand, do you feel a little let down that like they've been hyping Hayden's return and no. then we don't actually see Hayden's beautiful visage at all? You know, because I knew he was going to be in the suit most of the time and that we would get flashbacks, if anything, or like we saw like um, Obi-Wan just kind of thinking he saw him. So I kind of knew that it would be more of him in the suit than anything. So I think they're probably doing what they normally do with like when they do Guardians of the Galaxy, kind of like Sean Gunn is like raccoon on set Mm -hmm. and he's doing all the dialogue on set but then in post it's bradley cooper yeah so you know it's probably hayden actually talking and you know having dialogue with you in or whoever he's having scenes with and then you know in post they do the the voice modulation and stuff like that yeah so i mean i feel like he's actually acting in there so it's fine those scenes are still forthcoming i think i think Mm -hmm. the big hayden christensen scenes are not not yet seen yet and at the very least we get to see him in the back to tank so like it's not like hayden's not in the show at all right like there's yeah there's been more scenes of hayden's face than pedro pascal's face in three seasons of the mandalorian <laughs> thinking back to what we were just saying i know that i was just admonished by dominic about thinking about the future mm. but what do we want to see in the last three episodes of obi-wan because just to set the stakes reva has now gotten possession of leia Obi-Wan has just gotten his ass beat by Vader. He's burnt, not as crispy as Anakin, but he's but he's but he's pretty burnt. Tala's oh. is nursing him back to health. The the oh, we forgot to mention the newest adorable droid to be added to the Star Wars family. The loader droid who who who's like ready to hammer some st- stormtroopers. Is it Ned B? Ned B or something like that. Yeah. So like we've gotten Lola and now we have Ned B. He's, Ned B is more of like the K2SO of the yeah. this series. But he doesn't talk. It doesn't talk. But he has the most, like, guy-in-a-suit physicality of any Any droid you received. Like, yeah, yeah, like, he just looks, moves like a human. He doesn't even do the C-3PO walk. Well, which is cool, though, because, like, I think for, like, the last... I mean, I guess BB-8 was practical, but, I mean, not humanoid at all. You know, at least R2-D2 even had Kenny Baker in the suit. Like, it's kind of nice. It's kind of a throwback to go back to, like, Mm guy-in-a-suit droid than just total CGI or animatronic droid, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just saying that whatever that line of droid really gets the human motion really well, better than any other uh, Star Wars droid that I'm familiar with. Again, getting sidelined on technical details. What are we talking about? <laughs> well, no, but that's, I mean, that's kind of the appeal. That's the appeal, too, of, of the show. It's just like the production value and, and just how well crafted it is. You know, we said this the first episode, like, there is no drop off from the movies in terms of like cinematic quality to the to the show. And mm-hmm. that's that's unique to at least the Star Wars shows. But where do we see the 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 next three episodes going? Because again, Obi Wan seems like he's down and out. Leia's been kidnapped. Do we feel like is there going to be a redemption arc for Reva, or is there is there going to be like she's going to be defeated as the villain? I kind of hope she gets a redemption arc because she to me mirrors a lot of like Kylo and even Anakin's story they're both very ambitious they were both wronged and all of them were wronged in some way by someone who they thought wouldn't let them down and did and they have a lot of anger and hatred for that so i don't know i just hope that she does get a proper redemption arc and they don't do the whole death redemption because i'm tired of death redemption (laughs) so i hope she gets a decent arc but i square up against obi-wan though yeah that's coming that's what i said earlier that's why i feel like the the narrative of the show is actually to me feels like it's leading up to more of a reva obi-wan showdown than even a vader especially when it happened in this episode i was like oh they're setting up reva to be like that's the big lightsaber duel at the end of the show is reva and obi probably for the for for leia like he's kind of defeat reva to get to leia and that's how the show ends. Again, I know I was saying I'm not a stickler for continuity, but it does take me back to the another line in, in A New Hope where Vader says to Obi-Wan, the last time we saw each other, I was the learner, but now I'm the master. Because that motherfucker was the master <laughs> when, they, right. when they fought so just maybe now. <laughs> literally, maybe that line doesn't make literal sense anymore, but that one we can let go. 
<laughs> I mean, or maybe he was being sarcastic. <laughs> Remember that last time I beat your ass? <laughs> right. Right. I'm so when much. I was the learner. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm even better now. <laughs> yeah, that one would. I'm just not going to get hung up on that one. As far as where this series is going, I mean, Obi Wan needs to have his redemptive moment because otherwise this is very like uh, this is like most passive like kind of sad Obi-Wan thing ever but what's interesting is he needs to have his redemptive moment but we know it isn't like a fully you know a fully realized moment because we know where he ends up before New Hope again it does it does fail again at some point so Mm -hmm. you see this sort of you know this sort of qualified redemption of like a guy who's like well gonna go out and do this good thing because i gotta but i am gonna end up going back in the desert and being recluse for another 10 years mm-hmm. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out you know probably but something... at least he'll be in touch with the force i think that's the probably the the yeah. big redemption for obi-wan in this series is yeah. he regains access to the force because he's force sensitive again in a new hope at least he can sense the destruction of alderaan he can sense you know yeah. uh, mm-hmm. more things and, and he can do jedi mind tricks and stuff Whereas now he's like, he can barely hold a lightsaber. He barely lifted a 10-year-old girl off the ground, you know, so like... Yeah, and he's using a blaster him. all the time, which he's... Yeah, like, we're <laughs> so barbaric. uncivilized blasters. Yeah, yeah. Just, but, and I do think it has something to do with Qui-Gon, right? I mean, yeah. do, we haven't... Have we, we seen that scene in any of the books or They're animated shows? Qui-Gon. Where... Yeah, Chekhov's Qui-Gon. Like, they, from the moment that they used that sequence in the previously on, when they were like, teach you, I will. I'm like, Yoda telling him that like i can commune with qui-gon that that's clearly going to happen there's gonna be a liam neeson cameo and hell atlanta brought liam neeson in for like a five minute cameo in one of its episodes this season so like liam is available as a force ghost or yeah 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 so liam is totally available and yeah that's pretty right (laughs) and just to get meta for a second i do think it's funny how everyone's trying to communicate with you know liam neeson based on this crisis of having to rescue a young girl because, you know, Liam Neeson has a very special skill set from being, <laughs> being the guy in Taken. So maybe that's what he really needs help consult from Qui-Gon for. That's a great observation. But that, that probably has something to do with him, you know, having a moment of reawakening. Oh, I'm with the Force again. Oh, wait, here's Darth right. Vader again. I'm going to go run and hide for a while. But I do feel better <laughs> about myself as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, we are halfway through Obi-Wan. And now the cool thing about this week is we're getting episode four of Obi-Wan and Ms. Marvel. So it's going to be like oh, yeah. double the Marvel's pleasure, double the out. fun. Because oh, we're getting right. the double dose on June 8th. It's going to be a kid show, folks. I'm I'm really thinking it's going to be a very kid show. And I'm not saying that's in a bad I'm way. here for it. I, you know, they released a clip earlier this week with uh, her it. parents. And I thought it was adorable. A lot of people are complaining it looks like a kid show. I'm like... Ms. Marvel needs to be a kid show. Like if Ms. if anything, mm-hmm. the Ms. Mar if the Ms. Marvel show was this dark, gritty, like brutal Netflix thing, it'd be like that would be Marvel pretending to be DC because yeah. that's DC's bag. DC's yeah. bag mm-hmm. is to take kid characters and give you brutal hyper violence. Yeah, like, Titans. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> yeah, Titans. I'm talking about you. <laughs> when when like Titans is the biggest kids property out on DC right now, and they're like, let's uh, have garden shears up someone's crotch. It's just not, you don't know your audience. Yeah. Miss Marvel, none of that. And appropriately so. I was not saying that yeah. criticism was just preparing to be in the right frame of mind for it. Miss Marvel should Absolutely. be a kid show. Am I to assume Miss Marvel will be your nerd popping this week? I was, no, no. I mean, yes, it's nerd popping. I was <laughs> I was going to say the Warriors are in the finals. That's my nerd popping. It's not very Yeah. Well, but... they did lose game one. And as of this recording, we don't know if they're going to lose game two. Yeah, it was but... terrible, terrible game but it's cool that they're against celtics i I, i'm sorry did you want to was that just like do you want me to say something about miss marvel did did you want no 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 i just i just thought that perhaps that would be your nerd popping since since we're now at the nerd popping section of the podcast Brittany monet what's nerd popping for you you want to talk about the thor trailer real quick uh yeah it looks exciting i think speaking of christian bale yeah christian bale looks very cool i'm very excited i know some people are upset that he doesn't look exactly like Gorg from the comics yeah. but i don't care he looks yeah. i like the contrast of like everything else being bright and kind of happy and hopeful and then he's just like devoid of all of that yeah like, i think it's a very cool contrast give so. me volda batman dude i will <laughs> i just need <laughs> me some volda batman 
there's a meme going around of Michael Keaton and Christian Bale, and, and then the the line from Dark Knight: "You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the Marvel villain." Mm-hmm. Is what is what's happening. So we just need a Ben Affleck, a George Clooney, and a Robert Pattinson Marvel villain. And Val Kil- Val Kilmer needs to come back and be a Marvel villain. We'll just have all of the Batman, yeah, become Marvel villains. The Serpent Society, man, Frightful Four. Yeah, there you go. I have an anti-nerd popping, and that's the Gotham Knights trailer. Did you guys see that? Oh my god. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> it's so bad. I'm, I'm very ex- ha- yeah. Yeah, go on, go on. The Gotham Knights CW show, not the video game. Dominic, I'm very excited about you, the video game. The video game has a game. different set of problems, but yeah, the show. Look, I have no idea who those people are mainly for. And what is, is so who bad. is it for? Like, why would you cancel a show about Gotham City post Batman and a team of heroes uniting to fight crime in Gotham City once Batman's gone to give us a show? About the death of Batman and a team of heroes having to unite to fight crime in a city without Batman. Like, just give us season three of Batwoman, dude. Like, what is going... Or season four. What, like, it makes no sense. It's other so than dumb. we we need a straight white dude as the, the lead. That's the only thing I can think of why you would cancel Batwoman and give us Gotham Knights. Yeah, okay, pretty but, much. But just to argue this point based on things I haven't read, is this not in the vein of the young adult's books and stuff that they've been trying to sell lately as part of the Batman universe. Well, apparently they made up a whole entire new character too, so the kid isn't actually like anyone from the comics, so I I don't I don't, I don't He's know. he's one of Bruce's adopted kids, but he's not Dick Grayson, Jason Todd or Tim Drake. I don't know. It just looks bad. It looks like like yeah. the budget is not there. Like my thing is if CW is going going around canceling DC shows, yeah. shows that people actually cared about like Legends or Naomi or Batwoman. Why not just, like, give us one more season of any one of those shows? Because, like, I was thinking, we're just getting out of the DC game. Fine. You know? But we're giving you this. And I don't care that it's not Arrowverse. I don't care. My thing is, like, you're just giving us Batwoman filtered through some bullshit is all I'm saying. Like, just give us Batwoman again if you're going to do that. Yeah. Anyway. Gotham not. (laughs) (laughs) Video game is a whole different set of problems, which I'll rant about later. Nice, but that's, that's for next time. <laughs> They're different problems, not the problem. Either. Yeah, uh, rightly, rightfully pointing out. That's nerd popping. That's hard knock life. Brittany Monet, how can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at hi Brittany Monet. You can check out also at Naomi Podcast for Naomi Podcast, the backlog of Black Lightning, as well as the Situation Room. Dominic Ma. Oh, on Twitter, Instagram, I'm Dama, D-O-M-M-A-H, Dominic Ma. You can find me on Twitter at the Real Chow, the underscore real underscore chow, and on Instagram at Real Keith Chow. Follow the Nerds of Color at the Nerds of Color. Go to HardKnockMedia.com to find this and all the podcasts in the Hard Knock family. Give us a rating and a review if you do. Support us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/TheNerdsOfColor and watch our videos at YouTube.com/slash/TheNerdsOfColor. And until next time. Sweet child of mine. <laughs> That's what I want to talk about. <laughs>